What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Colorado Rockies. Yes. Uh, so I know that uh, you have been missing these podcasts a bit. Really excited to have them regularly moving forward. I'm going to be finishing up all the rotations uh, throughout the end of the year and through January. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about them all through February and March and everything. And what you know is the start of the season. What is really cool about these, especially if you have PL Pro, is you can get access to every single rotation article that I talk about on this podcast in depth on the site as well. So you can see all the stats I'm talking about. You can see the the images and you can really just understand also, not the images, the videos. If you Join me in the live broadcast, my process of separating left-handed and right-handed splits for pitchers to really understand what their plan of attack is, um, and of course, how to use the pitch type apps that we have with PLV. And this is exclusive of PL Pro until the uh, until February, where these articles will be free for everybody uh, middle of February. This is just early access to these things. And they're also going to be the blurbs that I use for uh, for the top 300. So you're getting early access, all this stuff. And of course, you know, I just need to do my homework. So we are going to talk about the Colorado Rockies. I know this is a fun one. You're going to breeze through this one. You're probably going to skip it. And that's fine for those that are uh, not skipping it. I will give you something a little special at the end. Because thank you so much for, for listening through all of this. So the main one here, of course, Kyle Freeland. He's the only one that has been in any way significant. Yeah, he had a 14% strikeout rate in 2023 uh, across 166 innings, a five-year, a 147 whip. And we want this to be something more. I remember him popping 95, 96, maybe even higher in the playoffs in, what, 2018? And it was fun and great, and he just has been so different since. It was 89 on his sinker last year. He tries to stay low a bit. It doesn't really work, um, and uh, he doesn't have a major whiff pitch anymore. The curveball tries to be that as 17% uh, swing strike rate overall. It's not really it. Um, there's not much to, to like here. He tries to jam batters a ton with left-handers and right-handers with the four-seamers and the right and right-handers, respectively. He's okay at... At avoiding hard contact, but Freeland just does not have that slider, that curveball, that changeup they used to have. Really, the curveball was that pitch back in the day that he would bounce a lot, and that would be a big thing. Um, but uh, the curve does work decently against right-handers, and that's about it. It's cores. He doesn't miss bats. He won't get much strikeouts. It's it's like a rare stream, maybe against a rhythm once or twice through the year, but. Yeah, just avoid Cal Freeland. Uh, Cal Quantrill moved from the Guardians. I believe they designated him for assignment. And then the Rockies picked him up. And everyone was so curious about the trade. And I just said, what are you talking about? This is everything the Rockies want, which is a unbelievably cheap uh, right-handed starter. Uh, it doesn't mean it matter that's righty. But someone who has gotten innings in the past. He had 336 innings, about 3-2 ERA in 2021 and 2022. And of course, it was a lot worse last year. He had some shoulder issues. The Rockies are depending on him jamming batters with the right hand, uh, jam- jamming right-handers with that sinker inside, and then cutters over the plate. And that's pretty much just what he does. Sometimes, Cal Quantra does surprise with a splitter. What's really funny, he, had, he threw this against lefties. 50% of the time, he threw him in two strike counts. He had a sub-10% put-away rate. That is, one of every 10 times that Cal Quantra threw a splitter in a two-strike count to a lefty, 
one out of every 10, it would actually be a strikeout, which is so absurdly low and bad. <laughs> um, he also did a worse job of just jamming, guys. Uh, the sinker stayed up, but not really inside to both sides of the plate, up and away to lefties, which was just not a good idea. 52% ICR on that sinker uh, from Cal Quantro to lefties. Yeah, that's bad. Really terrible. The cutter does not do enough to jam them um, as well. And that's why he had such a rough season of a 5.24 ERA and 1.46 WHIP in 2023. Cal Quantrill can get into some rhythms. We've seen this before. He's the unquantifiable, and it's possible that the Rockies say, "Look, we want your ground ball rate to be closer to 50%. We think it can be. If that was just injury or whatever." It's the Rockies. I don't have much faith in that development, as we all know. Um, but I, it's possible that Quantrill can turn into something. Uh, for them that is six innings here and there maybe he gets under rhythm and he has a road start against the Giants or something and it's okay that's really what you're hoping for for Cal Quantrill um, not much hope there um, Austin Gomber is uh, likely going to be starting as well uh, he had a 5-5 ERA 149 whip last year the 14% K rate actually this is the highest of the three I just mentioned that's right 14.4% is the highest K rate between Gomber Cal Quantrill and Cal Freeland in 2023, but that is 2023. What about 2024? Well, Gomber's going to have to figure something out with this fastball approach because it gets, it's so steep and he doesn't go downstairs enough with it, right? It is a 16 plus um, IVB, which actually is decent, but because he has such a steep VAA, it's not flat. It's just so over the top. It's harder for him to actually succeed upstairs. And he tried to go, I don't know, I want to say like upper half a ton last year. And yeah, the four-seamer got crushed by both left-handers and right-handers, and that's a big problem. And Gomber in the past has had success with his curveball and his slider, getting a lot of whiffs from those pitches, and he just could not get those things down. The changeup was in the middle of the plate a ton. The rare times he did throw it, I I mean, to, to righties, he barely threw it, and it was terrible then. Um, or really to lefties, I should say, and righties was also just really bad. It's just, everything was terrible. <laughs> None of his pitches exceeded a 14% swing strike rate. It's not fun. So that changeup is really the best he's got against uh, right-handers at the moment. Uh, he needs to figure out something as a fastball. He really does uh, against both sides of the plate. It might be the sinker, but it's really funny is the sinker has more IVB because he just throws it over the top completely. And there's no tilt to it, which means there's no arm side action. It's just completely straight down, um, which I get. But yeah, you got to figure something out. Cutter off of it, which actually would make sense. So slower version of that slider that actually jams right-handers or something that goes in to lefties actually, or really just sit away only with sliders down and away. Just don't throw that fastball or something. I don't know. It's bad. It's very bad. And I have no anticipation for Gomber to really wake up and be good. Uh, so that's un unfortunate there. We actually, we obviously have all these on the fringe guys you're going to hear about. There is a prospect or two to note. So I'm going to tell you about all of those guys after this break. Ron Marquez is recovering from TJ. We probably won't see him until later in the year. You don't want to put yourself through it. I mean, it's it's just that simple. His slider and curve in his heyday were just good enough. They're not anymore. I have zero faith that they're going to. We don't see him for much of this year. And Ron Marquez is just obviously not worth any sort of uh, attention. Uh, Ty Blach doesn't have a single pitch over a 12% swing strike rate. He will have some moments where he's locating cutters and change-ups beautifully. Like the Orioles allowed him to go seven innings, one and run in seven Ks this year. That's great. Wonderful. But it was one of those moments of bliss, right? Where everyone's a major leaguer for a reason. He did everything he was supposed to do and it worked. And 
yeah, that wasn't going to last. Now, Noah Davis um, has an interesting cutter and slider mix. The slider is really the strike pitch, while the cutter is more of the um, uh, more of the actual good pitch. Um, everything else is bad. Sinker is terrible. <laughs> Look, this is the thing. It's like it's the Rockies. We know this. They don't know how to develop pitchers, and no one wants to sign there because uh, because who wants to go and have worse stats? <laughs> <laughs> so the problem is that you have to you have to spend a ton of money um, on hitters, and then you have to trade for pitchers. It's the only way that you'll work if you're the Rockies, and it hasn't they haven't done that. They just haven't traded for good pitchers. Um, Ryan Feltner has some intrigue because somehow his four seamer had a sub nine percent, some ten percent. ICR against right-handers, but then I looked it up, it was just because there was only 11 batted balls off the four-seamer. Then again, 16% swing strike rate uh, on that pitch. So, against right-handers, very limited sample. I think he threw like 60 uh, four-seamers against righties this year. So, don't really read too much into that, and I don't think that there is anything else to write home about. Everything else, the slider that he has, uh, the change-up, the cutter. The cutter gets strikes, um, I'm sorry, the slider acts more like a cutter. To get strikes. It's a sub 10% swing strike rate against righties. And wait a second, sliders should have like 15% plus against the same handedness and see like 10%, actually I think it was 9% against righties. Ryan Feltner, you got to have a better slider if there's going to be anything legit here. Um, so yeah, the four seamer got destroyed by lefties as well. IVB is really bad. It's like 13 or something. It's decent. It's, it's a decent low um, VAA. Uh, like a good flat angle for that high fastball against righties. So that's why he was able to be more effective with it. But Feltner, I mean, look, if he's going to go against a massive right-handed lineup, there's a chance, I think, on the road. But boy, do I need to see something more here, um, especially with that low IVB. And then I, uh, Peter Lambert, he's a four-seamer slider guy um, against uh, right-handers, and both of them are terrible with neither of them inducing a 10% or lower swing strike rate. It's like around 40% ICR, so okay, but like, no. Um, and then against lefties, at least he throws a changeup there, which actually is decent. It has like a mid-30s ICR and gets some whiffs, but not enough strikes, sub-60% strike rate, while the four-seamer started even worse against lefties. So yeah, Peter Lambert doesn't do it. I remember when he first came up, it was like Curveball City, and that was kind of cool, and that's just not really a thing anymore. They do have some relevant prospects. There's Joe Rock, which is fits, of course, with the Colorado. Six foot six, uh, lefty, low 90s velocity. He has a decent breaker, but there isn't much else. Um, it's a decent VAA, I think, but it's like it is a kind of a flat delivery. Um, but yeah, he's not someone to target. Uh, Carson Palmquist was a major guy with, uh, I believe it was Miami, that he. Um, uh, that he, you know, in college, everyone was focused on him, but I just don't really see like in that repertoire. He had a 34% strikeout rate in Double A in 92 frames, which is pretty cool. He's a really weird, like Ryan Yarbrough funky delivery. Uh, I think I, there needs to be more development with his fastball and changeup. He has a good slider. Like the slider is super a sweepy slider. Some have compared him like Chris Sale kind of thing, but I. Uh, I, I think you need to do more than this to be a Rocky starter. Maybe the funky delivery is enough, and that will bring more out of him, but I don't want to take the risk with the Rockies. And then there's Chase Delander, who was a top 10 pick in the draft um, overall in 2023 for Tennessee, uh, for the Rockies from Tennessee, I should say. 
he didn't pitch at all um, last year. The Rockies just kind of shut him down and was careful with with him. Uh, he's probably going to start in Double A this year, and then I uh, could cruise up the ranks, and then maybe by the end of the year be there with the Rockies. He throws mid nineties, uh, touching ninety eight in college. Uh, phenomenal slider. Looked like he had a very flat delivery too. I, I, I attached, of course, a video by Suspetta's Friendly Barbecue of um, of Delander throwing in, in uh, for Tennessee and looks awesome. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's the Rockies and do I really want to take a chance on a prospect pitcher from them? Likely not. We'll probably be talking about him more so in 2025 um, as he might have some moments and people in like prospect guys like he's really good though. And it'll be that wonderful decision of what are we supposed to do when we have a Rockies pitcher <laughs> who is actually kind of good, John Gray and Herman Marquez. And I just generally say, don't touch it. Um, I promised you for everyone that stuck around here that I would do something more at the end of this. And I figured I would give my quick take on Yamamoto because he's on the Dodgers and I'm going to do the Dodgers like last in this um, because yeah, I, I feel like the Dodgers are going to add at least one other arm in that rotation. And I just felt like saving that for last. Yamamoto is phenomenal. I was getting more and more in on him um, as uh, as the offseason went on, as I looked more into him. Obviously, there have been a ton of uh, breakdowns of him since, of course, his massive contract. Do I think he's a top 10 starter? No. I think I think he's great. Uh, I am wondering how good the four-seamer is going to be. Uh, I also recognize that the Dodgers are not the best spot. I mean, it's in some ways it's very good because winning ball club, good defense, awesome. But as far as total volume goes for this year, I really do think the the Dodgers, I mean, Eno even brought it up, uh, Eno suggested that the Dodgers might go six man. And that makes sense to me because generally Japanese pitchers need to ease into the regular five man rotation, right? And also the Dodgers, they have... Bobby Miller on that squad. They have Bueller on that squad. They have Glasnow on the squad. All of these guys that don't want to be pushed as workhorses this year. So you're going to be seeing all these pitchers who, I mean, Bobby Miller, uh, they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to extend him. I'm sure I mentioned him in there too. But all these pitchers who shouldn't be thrown uh, 180 innings in this year, they want to be around 150 or so for that playoff push. It's also Emmett Sheen in that mix. And Ryan Pepio leaving, I was actually more critical of his four seamer than, uh, and then I came back and was okay with it. the uh, The performance of Ryan Pepio's four seamer wasn't very good this year, but actually the the metrics of it look alright. So maybe there's adjustments there to be made by the Rays. That aside, Sheehan's very interesting. I think Sheehan will, regardless of the get another starter, will see starts because I do think the Dodgers should go six man. It just makes too much sense, which then depresses the value for Yamamoto because we don't expect 180 innings from that. So if you're pushing down someone like, like. Aaron Nola versus Yamamoto, it's tough, but I would probably go Nola because I expect 200 strikeouts from Nola. I don't know if I do from Yamamoto because I don't think he's going to get the full val- the full volume of it. So that's kind of showcasing where I would put Yamamoto. Probably put him around SP15, something like that. I mean, I've, I've changed up a good amount of my um, like 11 through 20 because I've pushed up Glass now and I've pushed down Peralta. I've pushed down, I think, Bueller and Freed. Um, and so I'm pushing up Nola. I'm changing Grayson. Like, there's a couple things. I'm pushing down Scooble. I uh, there are a lot of little changes inside of that, and so Yamamoto fits around like 14, 15 for me. So there's your extra little bonus. Thanks for tuning in this long inside of the Rockies podcast. But yeah, 
Uh, I love doing this stuff with you guys. Thank you so much. We're going to have more details soon about um, Lifetime PL um, Pro in uh, in January. Be on the lookout for that. I'm also going to be putting out inside of that post uh, a um, just a review of 2023 for PitcherList and also a quick look at everything that we're doing, um, showcasing, talking about PitchCon, which will be starting on January 24th. Um, I'm very tempted at the moment, it's not decided yet, but I'm very tempted to make that five days instead of four this year because I just know too many people in the industry now. And uh, yeah, look at me. But I mean that there are so many, every year I just learn and, and find these other great people and I want them to be part of it. So uh, I want that to be a larger event and to be more inclusive, more people to be able to participate, which means another day. So what is that like 50 hours as we raise money for ALS? Um, I'm also going to have our target goal of 10,000 again, but also make it so that the prizes happen regardless. I want to just kind of be out of the goodness of everyone to try and make it 10,000 and not feel like for the prizes and stuff. So I uh, stay tuned for that. If you're unfamiliar with PitchCon, it's an event we run for five days, uh, or it might be five days, uh, in January, where we bring in all the analysts from the industry as well as people in the baseball world to just talk about the sport um, for free, live streamed for uh, for 10 hours. So it's traditionally 11 to 9 p.m. And then I actually maybe it's 12 to 10, something like that. <laughs> um, but I but then we are donating money for ALS and PitchOS takes nothing. Um, 100% of everything we raise into that goes to LAS. Um, we changed that last year it used to be 50% and last year we made it 100% to charity. So it's for a great cause. It's just a great way for all of us to talk about baseball. Um, and uh, yeah, check it out. It's going to be on the PitchOS site, uh, pitchless.com slash pitchcon. You can check it out there. Um, check it out here, of course, on playback at playback.tv slash pitchlist. Um, can't wait. Really can't wait for that. It's such a fun event. But yeah, a lot of really cool things we're announcing and talking about, and I'll have that article um, about all of 2024, of course, with what is coming with PLX with the new launch in February. I'll let you guys all know about that, all the new things um, beforehand instead of just revealing it all on launch day. So I get excited for all of it. And um, But yeah, that is it for today. So thank you so much for, for sticking around for this entire Rockies podcast. Um, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your balance be low and your strikeout time.